please welcome the man it's all occurred to, Richard Herring. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Leicester Square Theatre. Welcome to AI Ottoma. That's all the cool kids are doing it. It's the, uh, it's the show that's made on a shoestring, held together with shoestring, and as observant listeners will have realised by now, is a subtle parody of the 1979 BBC series Shoestring, starring Trevor Eve. Well done if you spotted that. It's a very, very subtle parody. Do write in with the things that you think are the parodies of Shoestring, though. And I'll tell you if you've got those right. Uh, you know, it's, it is. Uh, everyone's gets, get, getting into it. The audience has built a bit this week. It's quite exciting. And as I was um, just walking around uh, just in Leicester Square, a kind of grown-up man who was bald came up and just handed me a packet of Haribos. So that is the power. <laughs> that's the power of this show. My mum told me never to accept sweets from strangers, but we just ate them all in the dressing room. So hopefully it's... Oh, I don't, I'm starting to wonder, because we talked about this last week and the week before, and... I kind of wish we'd sort of mention something like, more exciting, like gold or, uh, <laughs> or just something nicer than Haribo's, really. It's never mind, but, uh, or iPhones. But, I, I've, uh, but uh, I've set myself the ridiculous task of writing around 45 minutes of brand new material every week for 10 weeks on my own with no team of writers like all the other proper comedians get that you think write their own jokes, but they don't. Uh, going out unedited, whatever happens, even if I just ad-lib slagging off other comedians, it's... it's <laughs> It's almost guaranteed to end in a disastrous car crash and you are rubbernecking ghouls who just can't help but gawp. Your spectators at a Grand Prix hoping that none of the cars, cars explode in flames whilst at the same time praying that they do. Or how are you going to get your money's worth? I hate you all, you scum. Uh, this week's show is dedicated to William Willett, without whom uh, I would have nothing tonight, definitely. Uh, you probably don't know who he is. He's the man who invented daylight saving in 1915. Uh, mainly because he liked horse riding before breakfast and playing golf before dusk. So this is a true story. He persuaded Germany to adopt the change. It was then taken over by England. It seems to me it might have been easier for him just to move the time of his breakfast uh, <laughs> for that to work. But that's the reason this is all happening. But it's lucky for the show and for me, because if he hadn't done that, believe me, uh, that extra hour this weekend has made all the difference to this show. You should have seen this script an hour ago. It was terrible. <laughs> Luckily, I've kind of been able to sort of travel back in time like Marty McFly uh, and change it without, without all the unpleasantness of uh, my mum trying to have sex with me. Um, I had sex with her anyway. She didn't want me to, but um, I had an extra half an hour to spill. So. <laughs> and please welcome my comedy fluffers helping to suck the... Helping to suck the flaccid and useless penis of hilarity into some kind of semi-erection that is just about capable of being squeezed like a marshmallow into the vaginal passage of laughs and the anal passage of embarrassment. It's, it's Dan Tetzel, TV's Emma Kennedy, and on the guitar, Christian Riley. Good to have you back. Hello. 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 What have you been up to this week, Dan? Uh, this week I have uh, been annoyed for no reason other than I was watching it by The X Factor. Uh, my girlfriend made me watch it. And it's the, uh, the hyperbole of every time before they sing and they do a little package about the person who's about to sing, one of them, one of the judges always says, well, if, if they don't get this right, it could be a disaster. <laughs> every week. And he's going, well, yes, of course. I mean, if they don't sing this well they won't have sung it well. Yes, I get it. If they don't win the X Factor, then they're not going to win the X Factor. Yes, I get it. If he comes on stage and pulls down his pants and 
tugs his penis until it's erect, and then just as he's about to ejaculate, he shits. And then it all <laughs> spills over onto the audience. It could be a disaster. I just... Stop it. And also, uh, I've noticed that I spilled my lunch on my trousers. Did you? Is that, and the audience have noticed that too. Uh, and I only spotted that under the stage lights. Oh. So that's <laughs> it is, in fact, you've really come out of your shell this week. Rambling, covered in food. Suddenly off like a rocket. Uh, so, uh, Christy, anything happened to you this week? Uh, yeah, this week uh, I took my son to the pub for the first time. How, how old's your son? Uh, two. Good work. What, what, what did he have? He, he enjoyed it. He had uh, bitter. Oh, nice. Good so, to start. Yeah, with. Just, well, it made him sleepy. And, uh, <laughs> good. Well, that's good. Um, I, I model myself on Christian and his lifestyle is amazing. And uh, TV's Emma Kennedy. You yes. are the, you're the foul mouth. TV's yes. Emma Kennedy, what have you been up to? I, I was filming Casualty. Of course you were, yes. People uh, remember this. All this week. Um, for, for those here who, who don't know, um, I'm actually 42 years of age and was uh, cast as a 62-year-old woman. So <laughs> I don't think it was unreasonable of me to expect when I got there that there'd be some sort of extensive prosthetic work. <laughs> um, Maybe a grey wig, uh, an old witch's hat, I don't know. And uh, so I went on to the makeup bus thinking, well, I'm going to be here hours. They just handed me a mascara <laughs> and said, do that yourself. And that was it. Oh, sad. Uh, I've had quite a few. Uh, <laughs> sad. <laughs> it's a sad story. It's good to have some bathos, isn't it? Uh, uh, I've had quite a few emails about your potty mouth. Uh, you've been quite swearing quite yes. a lot. And they're all from men. Yes. Not, usually in a show like you get complaints, but the swearing, it's all from men who like it and are clearly turned on by it. <laughs> asking stuff, do you kiss your mum with that sewer of a mouth? That's Sometimes. What, you do, yeah. Not with tongues. Oh, good, I'm glad. Yeah. That's what my mum was like. So anyway, uh, <laughs> do you have anything disgustingly rude to say at this um, point to bring off the sad and desperate internets of Britain? <laughs> what, like a sweary phrase? Yeah, sweary. Um, what about... Spunk farting fuck pig. It's <laughs> pretty that good. Do. I think that'll have worked for. I think about five disgusting and lonely men just shot their load there. And, and we should maybe do. We shouldn't like, give this away for free. You know, we could do an 0898 kind of service. Yeah, no, it's We could just, just take that me. out and sell that as a ringtone. Yeah, fine. For two pound fifty, it could work. We get some. But uh, I'm actually. A bit, I've been ill this week. And in fact, this weird. We've done three episodes of AI Ottoma. Yeah. Good, you're on the ball. And uh, one of us has been ill every... You were ill the first week, what was wrong I with was, you? Yeah. I was, I don't know what it was, but I was on the toilet and sick in the bath at the same time. You love going to the toilet. Uh, and, uh, nice. It's true, it's true. Emma, you were sick last week, what was wrong with you last well, week? Well, te technically still yeah. unwell. I, I don't want to worry anyone on the front row, but actually I've got swine flu. <laughs> Yeah. Someone's happy. Yeah, Thinking of a couple you. of days off work. Ba basic, there, basically, what happened? You, it, it, does anyone here actually watch Casualty? No, of course no, you don't. I, there's no um, crossover. The Venn diagram no. of as it occurs don't, to me and Casualty, no intersection. No. I, I, I know this is terrible to admit it. I've never ever seen an episode of Casualty. So when I went down there, I didn't know who any of the regulars were or anything. <laughs> And um, I had to do, the first scene I had to do, this, this wasn't last week, it was the week before, was with Gillian Kearney, who's a regular. And uh, she was very unwell, and we were doing shot glasses, and the prop guy between each tape was taking them away and bringing them back. And all I kept thinking was, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> and, of course, I went down with it. Anyway, this week I go back, and, and she'd given the same thing to her boyfriend, and they had to call paramedics out. He was 
And she, and she said, we've, we've got swine flu. She came in specifically to tell me, she said, I'm really sorry, but you've, you've, you have actually got swine flu. And so we went to see the director, because I was literally crawling on my hands and knees between takes. And we went to see the director, because we, we were actually filming in a real hospital <laughs> with, with, like, ill babies and stuff around. <laughs> and there was a genuine, genuine chance that I could actually kill someone. And so we went to the director, and I said, look... Uh, and I was with Gillian, and I said, look... I, I don't want to alarm you, but it, I've almost certainly got swine flu. And he just looked around and just went, shh. <laughs> so at least we've been honest. Uh, it's, it's too late now. You've, you've got it if you're here. Oh, if you're here last week, you're getting few enough people, Emma, for you to come and kill them with swine flu. That's true. How's it every week one of us is getting ill? What are we doing every week between the, that gets passed down the line? You'll be next, Christian. After what I've got planned for you tonight. But I'm, I'm actually feeling... I thought I had swine flu because Emma told me she had it, but I'm feeling better, so... I don't give a fuck if you get it. Uh, so, that's cool. But maybe I think we're being sabotaged, you know, some of our, by some of the other podcasts in the charts because we're doing quite well in the charts. Maybe... Uh, I think maybe Frankie Boyle is poisoning us or maybe Robbie Williams who's doing well in the podcast. I think it's more like it's Andrew Collings is, uh, or as I like to call him, Jackoos. Uh, that's what I think is... But, well, we're soldiers. There's coughing on the, on the, on the podcast. I can only apologise. Yeah, go. Oh, yeah. There's no editor. <laughs> but you can't gonna, take that. You were going to say it's another time. For oh yeah, I did. Yeah, okay. Oh yeah, I didn't write in. Oh, it's right. time for another celebrity something. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it's me. It's Morrissey. I've uh, 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 been. You see, I'm waving my hand around. You can tell. <laughs> At home, that doesn't work. I have been told to say that I really enjoy as it. Oh, oh no, I can't do it. Oh, I'm, oh, oh, I'm down. Oh, where am I? Oh, Swindon. Oh, this just gets worse. Oh, kill me, kill me now. I envy Jacko. <laughs> so, um, I think, I think Andrew Collins's impressions might be better than that. So, anyway, this this week, this week it's a BNP special. Uh, don't cheer that. By which I mean it's largely about the BNP rather than dedicated to them <laughs> or celebrating them or sponsored by them. Although if ticket sales continue at their present rate, we might have to consider doing a Carol Vorderman and taking money for whatever shady business or enterprise is willing to give it to us. But uh, for the moment, we're independent and free to say what we like. Willies! See? Uh, so uh, my favourite moment of the week, if you, I hope you watch Question Time because it's mainly about that this week so uh, you people at home can go and watch it on iPlayer and catch up with the people here if not bad luck but uh, my favourite moment of the week was during question time when that guy in the audience got up and said uh, this is a question to Dick I beg your pardon Nick Griffin uh, it's brilliant everyone else on the programme had been so sensible and reserved and tried to argue things out in an adult fashion so it was great just to see someone being so resolutely and ridiculously and brilliantly childish but when you're presented with someone as childish and ridiculous as Griffin, then I think childishness and ridiculousness is the only response. And it was, for my money, the most effective critique of him in the whole programme. At least a response that was, was at Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin's schoolyard level. It was straight out of the, I think you're a twat, well, I think you're a twat, argument handbook. Uh, what made it all the more brilliant was that the questioner had clearly planned this all out in advance. He'd, he'd been sitting there thinking, eight million people are watching this, what can I do to bring Griffin down? Comment on his criminal conviction, his Ku Klux Klan association, his racism, his homophobia. No, I know, I'll get his name slightly wrong. So it looks like I'm calling him a penis. Then hastily correct myself. 
that should impress David Dimbleby. It's, it's so pathetic. It goes all the way around past infinity and comes out genius. He was, he was a grown man calling another grown man a dick on the BBC's flagship Sensible News debate. And then saying, I beg your pardon. That's the, that's the bit I really love. So perfectly sarcastic and archaic and polite. Did I accidentally call your mother a whore? Oh, I beg your pardon. I'd really like it if Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin, became Nick Griffin's official name. Uh, I believe we can make this happen. I really do. Every time you refer to him in conversation, call him Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. And a few months' time, everyone will be calling him that. Spread the word. Tell your friends. I believe we can do this. Imagine if it took out. It would be on the hustings. Simon Norman. Labour. 25,312. Norma Simons. Conservative. 28,000. And 88. Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. BNP. Uh. <laughs> what a prick. Or whenever he was mentioned on the news. Today in the European Parliament, Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. <laughs> that still gets me every time. Or if his, wife is ever se- if his wife is ever sensible enough to wake up, realise that she's married to a cockhole and leave him, or if she's lucky enough to simply die, uh, <laughs> then... Then, Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin, find someone else deluded and blind with no sense of smell who is willing to marry him. This would happen. Do you take this man, Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin, to be your lawful wedded husband? <laughs> no. I mean, thinking about it, that would be mental. His name is Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. And then he got married to someone called Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. Oh, close call. So if everyone starts calling him Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin, then that will just become his name. It's the same way as like Opal Fruits became Starburst. It takes takes a while but it'll come through as you'll see from the show it'll be very funny to begin with and then there'll be quite a sizable chunk of time when it becomes annoying and dull because we're really going to labour this thing (laughs) and then the constant repetition will make it very very funny again I promise you as it occurs to me it's the shit I beg your pardon hit internet stand up and skit show Here's a few things that occurred to me this week. Thursday. BNP Cyclops, Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin, appeared on Question Time, declared, appearing on Question Time, declared that Winston Churchill would be a member of the BNP if he was alive today. It's amazing that Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin, had to go back 60 years to World War II to find anyone who agrees with his views. And I think he might accidentally have picked the leader of the wrong side by mistake there. Thursday. Also on Question Time, Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin, <clears throat> said he shared a platform with a member of an almost entirely non-violent branch of the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> what a brilliantly amusing qualification almost entirely non-violent is. Did he, did he think that was going to make us think us, you know, we'd forget about the Ku Klux Klan bit at the end there? That's like saying you're a member of an almost entirely non-child molesting paedophile ring. Or... <laughs> You're a worker on an almost entirely non-planet-destroying Death Star. I I like the idea of there being a branch of the Ku Klux Klan that just likes the costumes and isn't into burning crosses and racial hatred, mainly cares for sick kittens and organises bring-and-buy-sales for charity, but every now and again they let themselves down by lynching a black man. Sunday. The News of the World reported that Queen Elizabeth II has declared war on the BNP and has ordered all royals to join forces with her to unite Britain against Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. 
She must be shitting herself about the BNP getting in, because if they do, she'll be sent straight back to Germany where she belongs. And, uh, and her husband will be going back to Greece, won't he? So it's bloody immigrants coming over here, taking our jobs, having loads of kids, living off the state, fucking our German women. Saturday. And in non-BNP news, I tuned in halfway through ITV One's showing of Star Wars 1, The Phantom Menace, and was immediately struck with the thought, God, Jar Jar Binks is a cunt. <laughs> I know it's not an original observation, but I'd just forgotten how much of a cunt he was. And surely it's true and worth reiterating. If we don't keep saying that Jar Jar Binks is a cunt, then maybe somewhere someone will start to believe that Jar Jar Binks isn't a cunt, or at least that there are people who think he isn't a cunt. Uh, hey, George Lucas, have you ever remake that film with improved CGI? Which, by the way, you really need to. Uh, also, take a look at the script and the acting while you're there. Why not replace Jar Jar Binks with a gigantic golden version of yourself wanking over and over again over the face and eyes of every true Star Wars fan? whilst wiping its ass with $100 bills. And I thought it was only irresponsible in that film, at best, to let a small child take part in that hugely dangerous death race, uh, however annoying he might be. Uh, at least Bloom Boy wasn't really in the balloon. Though he should have been, if they'd been committed, they'd have got away with it. As it occurs to me up to the mere netopical satire about films that came out ten years ago. Sometimes it takes a decade to really work up that fresh topical satirical angle. So uh, the whole question time thing dominated my week. Did you, did you all see it? Did everyone see it? It was, yeah, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Was anyone who went into watching the programme not supporting the BNP, did they come out of it as a BNP supporter just by <laughs> cheering? Because uh, apparently like 3,000 people tried to join the BNP that, that night, although unfortunately they can't become a member because the membership's closed down because they're not letting black and Asian people become members, which is brilliant. But it's still only like one in 2,000, nearly 3,000 people who watched it. So hopefully, as long as you vote, everything will be exciting. Things were very exciting around Shepherd's Bush. I lived down there. I could tell you there were helicopters hovering in the sky, protesters gathering outside the BBC. Uh, but I think they were right to let Griffin speak on, on the programme, not just because of the freedom of speech, but because he was elected by voters. That's democracy. It's not the BBC's fault. It's, it's Dick. I, uh, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. Uh, would not have got in if people had been bothered to go and vote against him. If you didn't vote in the European elections, this is your fault. I don't want to bang on about that, but I will. Uh, but wasn't, uh, Bonnie Greer, wasn't Bonnie Greer brilliant? Uh, she was fantastic. Just controlled and sarcastic enough to let Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin hang himself. And who was the better advertisement for Britain? The fat, one-eyed, melty-faced, prejudiced twat convinced he was directly related to people who came here in the Ice Age and that, that no immigrants had come in in the interim and d disrupted that bloodline. Or this graceful, real, calm, intelligent, non-judgmental goddess. It, it comes to something when an American is better at being British than a British person. <laughs> I actually met Bonnie Greer once, I'd forgotten about this, but we were on Richard and Judy together on Richard and Judy's book club. We had to discuss a really trashy novel. And I have to say, she didn't let me get a word in edgeways uh, in that discussion, so I was a bit insulted that she allowed Nick Griffin to speak so much. <laughs> and my opinion's more objectionable, my opinion's about some crap novel on the bestsellers list, more objectionable than the BMPs. Anyway, I forgave her when I saw her on Question Time. I just wanted to marry her. Uh, I looked her up on Wikipedia, because that's the first step. Uh, <laughs> just got to find some stuff out about them that's the way apparently she's already married which is a setback it doesn't it's not that much of an obstacle to me I'll find but you know what I found you might find this is true and I'm not making this up that woman is 60 years old and that, and does she look absolutely incredible uh, she, she's made a gerontophile of me which is uh, I was always been the opposite of that I mean I hate old people not 
and you know, Dick, I looked, uh, I looked up Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin on the internet, and he's the best example of Aboriginal England. He's 23 years old, you wouldn't believe it. Doesn't look it, does it? Uh, I, uh, I don't think I was the only one enamoured of her beauty though, and wit, though. Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin looked rather smitten too, didn't he? You know, seemed to be getting on quite well. Now, some people think that's because he was desperately attempting to show that he wasn't a racist, but I've got another theory. Here's what really happened. As it to me what really happened? Young Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin, was the most unpopular boy at his school. No one liked him, and girls didn't notice him. Basically, he was a cock-munching thundercunt. <laughs> but one day, from afar, he noticed a new student. Oh, my goodness. Who is that Ebony Venus? Hi, my name's Bonnie. I'm from Chicago. Even though I was born into poverty, I'm going to work and work and become an international playwright and, fingers crossed, deputy chairman of the British Museum. She's gorgeous, she's intelligent, but she'd never be interested in someone like me. Fat, ugly and dim. There must be some way I can make her notice me, get her attention. I know, chicks love two things. A, men who call them chicks. And B, bad boys, men who are rude and offhand with them and think the opposite of everything they think. Maybe if I were to join the National Front and deny the Holocaust and incite racial hatred, she'd take more of an interest. <laughs> then, if I was good enough at being racist, I could become leader of a right-wing political party. And, if I won a seat at the European elections, might get invited onto Question Time. And with a bit of luck, Bonnie might be sitting next to me. And then I can laugh at everything she says, even if it's very offensive to me. And then, just at the last minute, slip her my phone number. And hope for the best. I mean, I'm playing a long game on this, but it might just work. <laughs> And Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin's plan did work, right up to the point where he got on question time. But then he blew it by turning into a simpering, one-eyed, puppy-eyed buffoon. Because Alexandra Burke has it right. All we chicks want are bad boys who will treat us like dirt. It must be true, because I am a woman and I am saying it. All women are idiots. That is the one thing you should learn from this story. Wow. I'd never have thought, I think that's really against everything I would have thought, but I guess, I guess if a woman said that, then it must be true, I can't believe it. Do you know how Nick Griffin lost his eye and said, this is completely true, I looked this up on Wikipedia, I wasn't trying to marry Nick Griffin, I was just researching the show. Um, this is true, a shotgun cartridge on a fire exploded in his face. That's what, he was shot by a fire. <laughs> Even basic elements hate him so much. They'll attempt to assassinate him, it's kind of... They didn't do better. Which reminds me, earlier this week, earlier this week I was eating pasta uh, in, at home on my own, and as I dug into it, it shot out this little tiny droplet of hot Arabiata sauce right into my eye. It really stung, and the shot was so precise. I can only assume that the pasta did that on purpose. So yeah, it was like the first stage in a planet of the pasta situation. You know you're a twat when inanimate objects attack you, but at least uh, that proves I'm not as big a twat as Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. But uh, The main thing I hate about racists is their laziness. That's what gets to me. It's just too easy to hate people based on the colour of their skin. There's, no, there's nothing to it. So for me to hate someone, I have to put in some work. I have to listen to what they say, read about what they think, think about it a bit, at least engage with them for a few minutes. But a racist just has this easy system, and that's the most offensive thing about racism to me. The laziness of it. Uh, I'm very much opposed. 
I'm very much opposed to the BNP, uh, as you'll find out if you come and see my excellent show, Hitler Moustache, on tour in the spring. But I, uh, www.richterry.com slash gigs for details. But I couldn't help noticing that having Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin on the show, quest- on the show Question Time, got 8 million viewers. And AI Artema, it's slipping down the iTunes chart a bit. So I decided to give us a bit of a boost. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. Yeah, you are right not to. The people who cheered there, Pavlov's dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Richard, that name you're calling me is obviously very funny, and I will show I'm a regular guy by laughing at it, though in a somewhat creepy and Ollie Janaz manner. It's, uh, it's not a joke. Uh, it's not a joke. Everyone thinks you're a racist dick. I beg your pardon, Nick. Ha ha ha. I will continue to employ laughter as my response whilst sticking out my tongue and licking my dry and nervous lips as if this was all just banter between mates. No, no, stop it. Stop smiling. I'm not your friend, Dick. I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. Ha ha ha. I love it when you take the mickey or at least have been told by my advisors just to laugh along when anyone is criticising me, which might have worked if I hadn't also been smirking when they were talking about the Holocaust. You're still smirking now. Stop it, Dick. I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. Yeah, you really... <laughs> stop calling me that, Dick, man. I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. Okay, seriously, stop Dick, it. I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. You're a dick! <laughs> yeah, I am a dick. My name is Richard, or Dick for short, so I don't mind... <laughs> don't mind you saying that. Shut up! You're a homo. Yeah, I am a homo. Homo sapiens. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh damn you. You've got an answer for everything I throw at you. Stupid asshole. I know you are, but what am I? I can't win. Have you been reading the British National Party Argument Handbook? Stop hitting yourself. Why are you hitting yourself? Stop hitting yourself. Why are you hitting yourself, Nick? Ah, 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 ah. You idiot. You fucked it up. You called me Nick. My name is Dick. I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. No! (laughs) Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. You're only here to attract listeners. Go and sit in the corner for the rest of the show and say nothing at all. Left-wing lynch mob. Internet lynch mob. Yeah, the the internet is incredibly left-wing. I don't know if you've looked at any of it. It's the the most right-on thing in the world. I wonder if the BNP, if they got in charge, whether they'd have uh, anyone else on question time. Anyway, the BNP's uh, argument, schoolyard argument, seemed to be that Britain belongs to British people, whoever they are, because we were here first. Uh, but his claim is disputed by our next guest, Ugg Harris from the BNP, the British Neanderthal Party. Yeah, more popular. But wait till you hear what he has to say. You... <laughs> hello, hello, Ugg. Hello, Richard. It's lovely to be here, though I was here first. Yeah, because... Uh... <laughs> Well, you were, you were Neanderthal man, that's yeah, true. Yeah, I am, yeah, yeah. People thought we'd died out, but we're alive and well and living in Middlesbrough. <laughs> Neanderthal man was in Europe tens of thousands of years before Homo sapiens got anywhere near here, so by the rule of we are here first, Britain belongs to us. Our policy is to deport all the Homo sapiens back to Africa, where they come from. <laughs> so I hope we can rely on your vote in the next election. Well, I'm not, not sure about that, but surely the ancient law of finders keepers, losers weepers usurps that we were here uh, first. No, 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 not at all, Richard. It's definitely we were here first. That is a top trump in this situation. Well, in that case, I have someone here who thinks they might have a better claim to our country. It's a member of the species of disgusting half-fish, half-lizard-type creatures <laughs> that first crawled out of the sea millions of years ago. <laughs> yeah, yes, Rich, my kind were the first creatures to walk on the earth crawling out the slime struggling to breathe in the harsh gill-burning air but as such we were definitely here first and we want our land back 
Surely back then, though, disgusting fish lizard thing. Sorry, I, I don't know your name. I don't have a name. I'm a disgusting fish lizard. Right, fair enough. Well, uh, surely then, when you came out of the sea, the whole geography of the world was different, and Britain as such did not exist, being, as a, I imagine, a part of the massive supercontinent Pangaea. Yeah, yeah, I thought you brought that up. And in a sense, it is ridiculous to see the world as different countries when it all started as one continental mass. But... In another sense, we were the first beings to step onto Pangaea, and thus, we own all of it, including Britain, so go fuck yourself. No need to be rude about that. You seem to be uh, struggling for breath on, on the land. Yeah, yeah, if my species doesn't return to water every five minutes, we do die. But we still want all the land, even the bits that are more than five minutes from the water, like here which will kill us if we visit them. But in any case, we're really slow and sluggish. And if you want to defeat our army, you just have to step on us. Well, uh, thanks, thanks for sliding on in. Please, 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 I, I'm in so much pain. <laughs> kill me now. I don't, I don't think I could. So, uh, through the power of this hastily written satirical piece, I think we've all learned... <laughs> The error of trying to use historical prerogative. Fucking hell. Uh, I'll retake that, darling. Uh, we've all learned the error of trying to use historical prerogative to claim a signorial right. Why did I write this over any piece of land? I knew I'd have to say it. Anyway, time for another celebrity endorsement. Hi, I'm Lily Allen from out of Keith Allen's testicles. <laughs> This week, I recklessly gave up on the entire internet, Twitter, MySpace, everything, to become a neo-Luddite. I remembered too late that by doing that, I'd never get to hear my favourite show, AI Otama, again. But it's so... Thanks. But it's okay. I'm using my millions to pay the Royal Shakespeare Company to recreate each episode, word for word, fluffs and failed sketches included. Why don't you do that too? We don't need the internet. Oh, God, I miss it. <laughs> Lily Allen there, that was her. So, uh, or if, you, if you're Lily Allen listening to this, that's someone in the Royal Shakespeare Company playing you. <laughs> It's G Judy Dench. It was good for her to come down. <laughs> it was nice. So uh, anyway, we've got, uh, going, I've got a lovely audience here. I'm going to go to the audience first, then I'll come back to you. Yeah, we'll go to them. So has anyone had anything that's... Can I have their house lights up a little bit? That's occurred to them this week? Hands up if you had something that's occurred that's good. Occurred to you, had something good. No one's had anything. Don't worry, I won't take the piss out of you very much. Anyone had something really awful happen to occur to them this week? Nothing's happened to... There's 200 people in the room... Not one person said. Yeah, you got what? What's happened to you, sir? I had uh, uh, my mother-in-law came round for her birthday. Your mother-in-law came round for her birthday. Have we? Is that, is that part of the theatre just gone back to the 1970s? <laughs> is, there, is there a time portal? You cooked. Oh, wow, he cooked. That's Steve Berry there uh, for anyone who knows him. Uh, he works at Channel Four. That's the kind of dicks they have working on TV. That's why it's important to work on the internet now <laughs> by step the broadcasters thank you I, I won't take the piss out of anyone else though who joins me <laughs> did anyone else have a nothing nothing anything occurred to you madam this week I saw three of my favourite bands this week you saw three of your favourite bands uh, what are the three favourite bands you saw uh, Green Day Lost Profits and Spandau Ballet Green Day Lost Profits and Spandau Ballet <laughs> what are your other favourite bands <laughs> Duran Duran. Metallica. Metallica, cool. <laughs> terrible, 
terrible taste in music. I'm just kind of slightly embarrassed that you're at my show. I mean, it might actually mean that my comedy is rubbish. That's why I've... I always thought it would be quite good. Um, what's happened to you? Anything else good to you, Emma Kennedy? The audience are like... Oh, I had a rather intriguing telephone call. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, and a visit from uh, a man uh, from the council, uh, because apparently uh, one of my neighbours uh, has complained to the council about me. And um, I'm not a gypsy, don't worry. Is it because you were and shitting in the garden? <laughs> well, she didn't see me. I didn't... Well, I, technically, I didn't do a poo in the garden. It was, <laughs> it was only liquid. Anyway, anyway I've, I've, I've been having my bathroom redecorated. And the, this lady uh, who lives next door to me, she phoned up the council to tell them that, uh, that I'd been uh, smashing down chimney pots. <laughs> Like a Mary Poppins, uh, and, uh, and and turning my flat into several other flats. <laughs> Don't not know that what big your flat though, is it? <laughs> no, it's like just a one-bedroom garden flat. It's like you know, I'm not trying to get China into it. So anyway, um, the, the the council man he phoned me and he and he said, look, you know, you you really do need permission to turn your flat into other flats and to knock down chimney pots. And I said, no, no, you've misunderstood. I I've just had my bathroom redecorated. That, that was all. And then there was this just silence. And they just went, yeah, but you need planning permission to, to do your chimneys. And basically, the, my next door neighbour just entirely made this up. So why don't you fuck off, you old walnut-faced <laughs> old gonk? <laughs> now, actually, it, it's just slightly annoying because she, she fell over in her back garden and I stayed with her for an hour and I called the ambulance. <laughs> I cut her fucking edge for the bitch. <laughs> She probably Bloody told the hell. ambulance you were touching her up. That's what, that's well, what, that's there, what's was come that. next. there was that. Maybe there that was, was that. Maybe yeah. it's because you didn't touch her up. That's, yeah, that's what the old, like... Have you got so anything, Dan it. Tetzel, to yeah, well, trump that? Oh, I don't know. I had a sort of internal uh, occurrence. It was... I'm sorry, I talked about... Uh, no, not like that. Um, I, was talking, I was watching Question Time, and uh, Nick... I beg your pardon, Dick. Oh, no. Griffin. Uh, he had a go at Jack Straw because Jack Straw's grandfather or father was, was a conscientious objector while his had fought in the war against the Nazis. As if that's not an argument against how, how weak-minded he is. Like, you know, oh, your grandfather's disappointed in you. And uh, my grandfather was uh, fought in the war, uh, but he, he was in the SS. Um, this, this is true. And I've... And, um, it sort of got me thinking about it again, and I sort of went back, and I, for years I've, 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 gone, I've tortured myself, I said, oh, mate, what, what made him do that? What would I do in that situation? You know, he, he was born after the First World War and grew up through the Depression and joined the Nazis, and did he, didn't he, did he think that was the best thing to do, and was he, you know, was he conflicted, or was he a good man who was forced to do bad things? And, you know, I spent all this, and then I really, it sort of struck me, he said, no, he's just a fucking arsehole. <laughs> It's quite a, it cleared a weight off my mind, really. Uh, fuck him, he was a Nazi. Fuck him. <laughs> Russian shot him. Fuck him. <laughs> I never met him. Arsehole. <laughs> His wife was an arsehole as well. <laughs> she was a Nazi, so was my great aunt. Yeah. Really like the royal family. Mm. There you go, that's <laughs> it. Let's go. Thank you very much, Dan Tetzel. Saturday. Uh, on the Uxbridge Road in Shepherd's Bush, I passed a guy with a T-shirt that read white on black... Bombay Bicycle Club, and nothing else, just those words. It left me wondering, was he a fan of the band Bombay Bicycle Club or the takeaway restaurant Bombay Bicycle Club? 
It didn't say. Or perhaps he was bigging up the gathering place on the Indian subcontinent where colonial officers would picnic in the 19th century, which both those things are named after. It didn't say. Or there was a chance that he was a member of a bicycle club that had been set up in Bombay, presumably before it was renamed Mumbai in 1996. But it was unclear which of these things. What's, what's the point in having a T-shirt that says you like something, which doesn't you know, then say what the thing is that you like? It leaves it unclear. It's, it's, it's confusing. It needs to be more specific. What if I went up to him thinking he liked curry, when in fact he was just a man who'd enjoyed cycling in India in 1994? What if I went and sang him a song by the Bombay Bicycle Club? I probably couldn't do that, because I don't know who they are. And he looked confused and explained that he just loved colonial India and the picnics that British officers used to have there. The T-shirt needs clarification at best. I, sus- I suggest like some kind of tick list on it of the four options. You can tick one or more. You know, if you like two of the... Th- maybe he liked all of the things. That's the... And that's okay, but he needs to clarify. So I just thought... I just needed to get that out in case that bloke... He might be listening at home, so sort it out. supposed to be writing but if that happens it can be a little bit frightening and then we have to try and fill up the time in any way possible we gotta fill up that time we gotta fill up that time how are we gonna fill up that time Kristen, we've got, we've got a bit too much stuff this week, so that was really unhelpful. Um, on, uh, uh, on Sunday, Jimmy Carr got into trouble for making a sick joke. Uh, Jimmy Carr doing a sick joke? What's going on? The world's turned upside down. That doesn't like, sound like something he'd do. Anyway, let's, this is the joke that he did. Uh, say what you like about these servicemen and amputees from Iraq and Afghanistan, but we're going to have a fucking good Paralympic team in 2012. <laughs> I mean, it's all right. It's a bit dark, I guess. It's clearly intended as a joke and no more offensive than any other jokes he does, unless you take everything he says that is something he literally believes, in which case he advocates rape and child molestation as well. And the Sunday Express and the Mail on Sunday were furious. The Mail, perhaps forgetting 
what it did last week with a serious article that didn't have any excuse for being done for comic effect. But anyway, when you look at it, it's not that offensive, given that these events have already happened. It's just true. It's barely even a joke. In a way, it's a compliment. Lots of fit people are now disabled. They should do well at the Olympics. If Jimmy Carr had said he was delighted that people had been hurt or that more people should be hurt, then maybe you'd have a point in being upset, but he's not saying that. Or if Jimmy Carr had been the one who'd actually sent those soldiers out to fight in the war that had caused the injuries, then I could see why people might want to make a fuss about that, but not making a joke about it. Anyway, uh, Diane Durney, whose son lost both legs in Afghanistan, apparently said this. Soldiers are fighting for freedom of speech. I hope Mr. Carr remembers that when he makes offensive jokes ridiculing them. <laughs> Which is kind of an odd thing to say in the circumstances, because if that's the case, surely Jimmy Carr must be thinking... Oh, I've got this great joke about disabled soldiers in the Olympics, but I, I have to remember that those soldiers are fighting for freedom of speech. So if I censor myself from saying it, aren't I denying myself the freedom of speech that they're fighting for? Well, surely, given the sacrifice they're making, that would be a massive slap in the face. i better do the joke. As it occurs to me Like the most recent servicemen blown up by roadside bombs We're just finding our feet that would be an offensive joke about it and I, I thought long and hard about I thought long and hard about putting that sting in the show um, I didn't want to, I think it's a really horrible joke but given our boys are fighting for freedom of speech it's, it's good to know that's why they're there though and I hadn't realised I thought there was freedom of speech already but it's good that we're killing some Afghanistanis to get some more of it and I I'm, I'm sure the Afghan men would be happy that that song was sung as a result. Anyway, carry on. Sunday. Uh, I did my monthly gig at the Lyric Theatre Hammersmith. They're brilliant nights. The next one's on the 29th of November. Come along. Uh, we had Paul Sinar, Tim Key, Doc Brown and Stephen Merchant on the bill. That would have annoyed Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin as it was an ethnically mixed bill with an Asian who's a gay guy and a black guy on it as well. Pretty cool. Uh, no women, though. No need to go mad. Uh, we were... <laughs> We were performing on the set of the play, Comedians, which is, uh, is great. It's, you must go and see it. It's brilliant, even though it does have Keith Allen in it. Uh, despite that, you'll still enjoy it. I, I really hate Keith Allen. He's my, he's my enemy. The only thing good he's ever done is to squeeze Lily Allen out of his cock. That is the... And he must be thanked for that. Some of you might not know this. Uh, I think I've told this story before. But when I was in the Oxford Review in 1988, he came to review our show for BBC Two. He turned up pissed. I'm not saying he was on cocaine as well, but he definitely was. <laughs> The first sketch in the show involved a suicide attempt. We were up high, there was some crash match on the stage to stop the actor Ben Moore hurting himself when he jumped off uh, about 10 foot drop. Keith Allen, he moved the mats around. You were in the show as well, do you remember? Yeah, he moved the mats around. I was there. What else did he do? He, he, he went backstage and he, he sort of went <laughs> across the props table. Knocked all our props Knocked off. Knocked all of our props he off. Moved, he moved the crash mat, he shouted out, Jump now, you fucker! Uh, and then, nice guy, and then... Uh, Ben, always the professional, he did, I pushed him a bit, but he did jump off. <laughs> Alan then left the theatre after seeing just that one sketch, the one sketch he tried to sabotage. He attempted to punch the theatre manager on the way out. Who was a woman. Right. Yes. <laughs> Trying to push, punch a woman. And that's quite poor behaviour, especially for a reviewer, I would say. <laughs> and then his review of the show was one sentence. The Oxford Review, as you'd expect, awful. Which was probably accurate, but I don't think it's 
necessarily fair to make that uh, decision. And I've been waiting for years to get my revenge on him. 20 years I've waited. I thought, when I was watching him in this play, I thought of storming the stage when I went to see it and throwing his props around. But I didn't think the Lyric Theatre would be very impressed with me given I do a comedy night for them. But last night, it was there, we were in the theatre and they weren't there. I came up with the perfect revenge for after 20 years. I crept into Keith Allen's dressing room under the cloak of night and I did a shit in the hat he wears <laughs> on stage. Then I, then I left the note saying, don't worry, there's nothing unusual with the hat. Just put it straight on your head without looking into it as normal. It'll be fine. So go and see comedians on Tuesday night and you'll get to see his astonished face as he walks on stage with my feces running down his face. Re- Revenge is a dish best served cold and in poo in the hat form. As it occurs to me Bitterness is our meat And regret is our brackish wine And the other revenge I've got that, I didn't really do that obviously the, the real revenge I've got on Keith Allen is He could have been in As It Occurs To Me But I'm not going to let him be <laughs> 20 years, bad luck you won't, You'll never get that job Anyway, time for one last celebrity endorsement uh, Hello there, I'm Dr Tate Richard's doctor from the Shepherd's Bush practice The Bush Doctors uh, don't, no, don't laugh at that. That's, that's genuinely what we're called. Um, we do deal with other areas of the body, though. <laughs> but seriously, I do prefer working with the area around the pubic bush. So uh, any ladies with the gynecological problems, do come and see me. Uh, there's, there's nothing to worry about. I really am just interested in the bush in a medical way. All right. So anyway, uh, enough of that. I'm just here to provide a doctor's note to say that Richard really has been very ill and so he can be excused from being funny this week. Um, sorry, I should probably put that nearer the beginning of the show and save you all some time. Thanks very much. That's uh, pretty much the end of the show. I've literally run out of things to say. I, I hope you're enjoying this ridiculous experiment at home and here in the studio. And if you're not, remember, you don't have to listen to it, you stupid cock. Uh, the life of this project depends on people coming down to see the show live at the Leicester Square Theatre every Monday night at 8pm. These good people have done it. Thank you very much for coming down. Yes, it costs you money to do that. That is true. But you are able to hang around afterwards and meet the cast and find out what Dan Tetzel is like in real life. Though, to be fair, I should point out I'm exactly as I appear on the podcast. No, I don't. It's slightly more dull. Hurtful, but true. Yes. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Don't finish the show yet. Let me speak. My gosh, it's the deputy chairman of the British Museum and my future wife, Bonnie Greer. Yes, Rich. Yes, it is. And I've got something important to say. You've looked me up on Wikipedia and want to marry me? No. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Are you just going to come on here and talk and talk and not let me get a word in edgeways like you did on Richard and Judy? No, Richard, it's nothing to do with you. I'm here to see Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. (laughs) Me? Yes, Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick. I just heard about what you did for me, all that pretending to be racist for 40 years so that I'd notice you. It's the most romantic thing I've ever heard. You mean... Yes, Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick. I love you and want to marry you. I want to be Mrs. Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin, although I will probably keep my own name for professional engagements. Fair enough. But Bonnie, you can't marry Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. Still not got to the point yet where that is funny, but it will, it will we're just going through the, that's the last time we say it, but it's, if you carry on doing that at home, it will become funny again. Uh, why? Don't marry Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin. No, still not funny. I, 
Oh, it's suddenly it's a delayed reaction. Uh, he's racist. Why don't you marry me? I've never been racist. Well, maybe a little bit when I was at school. But, you know, it was the 1970s. I was in Somerset. There were hardly any black people around. We were all racist then. We didn't know any better, but I've, I'm sorry. S- sorry, Rich. Like Alexandra Burke and all women, I just love bad boys, despite the terrible sexist image that unfortunately sends out to the world. God, women are stupid. Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> Now come here and kiss me. Um, this hasn't. Um, that, this is all, that's all for this week. It hasn't really. Um, that isn't really the message I wanted to send out. The kind of show was was sort of an anti-BMP thing, and now it's. Um, I'll lick my eye. Now it's. Uh, it's an anti-BNP thing and a sort of pro-women thing. It's turned into this kind of... It's not, you know, Bonnie Greer getting off with... Dick. It's not... The real message of this show is that I'm delighted that our soldiers are getting their legs blown off in Afghanistan. And I hope that it will happen a lot more often. Can you two stop kissing? I find the whole idea of Dick, I beg your pardon, Nick Griffin, kissing anyone just a little bit creepy. And it shouldn't be allowed, even in the privacy of his own home. But certainly not in my podcast. You can't stop us. Yes, I can. I was here first. Now piss off, piss off back to where you came from. Up your mother's cunts. <laughs> you probably couldn't say that uh, on the BBC sketch show. That could, probably couldn't be the punchline of the show. But it is. Anyway, thanks very much for coming. Goodbye. As it occurs to me, it was written by and starred Dick, I beg your pardon, Richard Herring. It was performed by Fanny, I beg your pardon, Dan Tetzel. And me, TV's Hemorrhoid, I beg your pardon, Emma Kennedy. Kissed Ian, I beg your pardon, Christian Riley, did all the musical bits. And Bender, I beg your pardon, Ben Walk was in charge. With thanks to Enema, I beg your pardon, Emma Brunges. Smelly, I beg your pardon, Kelly Enfield. Gobjob, I beg your pardon, Rob Sedgbeer. And everyone at the Festa Square Blister, I beg your pardon, Leicester Square Theatre. This would never reach your without the technical wizardry and bandwidth supplied by Orange Skidmark, I beg your pardon, Orange Mark, and the British Comedy Guy. This is an Avalon and Sky Potato production and is sponsored by the BMP, the Bec National de Paris! Come and see us next week, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye.